Chapter forty of Sixty Years in Southern California, eighteen fifty three to nineteen thirteen, by Harris Newmark. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. Chapter forty The First Fiestas, eighteen ninety two to eighteen ninety seven. Accompanied by my family, I traveled to Alaska in eighteen ninety two, going as far as Muir Glacier and visiting, among other places, Metlakatla, where we met Father William Duncan, the famous missionary and arctander, Sitka, Juno, and the Treadwell Mines, near which the town of Treadwell has since developed. Today the tourist starts from Seattle, but we left Tacoma, sailing north about the 7th of July. I found much to inspire me in that rather extreme portion of the globe, where I was profoundly impressed with the vast forests and colossal rivers of ice, so emblematic of nature's law of eternal change. Our party was especially fortunate in witnessing the rare sight of huge masses of ice, as, with the sound of thunder, they broke from the glacier and floated away, brilliantly tinted bergs to an independent, if passing, existence. Having arrived in the Bay of Sitka, our ship, the Queen of the Pacific, struck a submerged rock. Instantly excitement and even frenzy prevailed. Levi Z. Leiter, a member of the firm of Field, Leiter & Company of Chicago, was so beside himself with fear that he all but caused a panic, whereupon the captain ordered the first mate to put the Chicagoan and his family ashore. Leiter, however, was shamed by his daughter, Miss Mary Victoria, afterward Lady Curzon, and wife of the Viceroy of India, who admonished him not to make a scene, and having no desire to be left for a protracted stay in Sitka, he came to his senses, and the commotion somewhat abated. Meantime, not knowing how much damage had been done to the vessel, I hastily proceeded to gather our party together, when I missed Marco, and only after considerable trouble found the boy in the cabin, such is the optimism of youth with a huge sandwich in his hand, not in the least excited over the possible danger, nor in any mood to allow a little incident of that kind to dissipate his appetite. When it became evident that the ship had sustained no vital damage, the captain announced that as soon as a higher tide would permit we should proceed on our way. In 1892, Abbott, Kinney, and F. G. Ryan, disregarding the craze for property along the bluffs of old Santa Monica, gave practical evidence of their faith in the future of the sand dunes hereabouts by buying an extensive strip of land on the ocean front, some of it being within the town of Santa Monica, but most of it stretching farther south. They induced the Santa Fe to lay out a route to Ocean Park, as the new town was to be called, and having erected piers, a bathhouse, and an auditorium, they built numerous cottages. Hardly was this enterprise well under way, however, when Ryan died and T. H. Dudley acquired his share in the undertaking. In 1901, A. R. Fraser, G. M. Jones, and H. R. Gage purchased Dudley's half-interest, and the owners began to put the lots on the market. One improvement after another was made, involving heavy expenditures, and in 1904, Ocean Park was incorporated as a city. E. L. Doney and a partner had the good luck to strike some of the first oil found in quantities within the city limits. They began operations in February on West State Street, in the very residence section of the town, and at about 160 feet below the surface, they found oil enough to cause general excitement. Mrs. Emma A. Summers, who had been dealing in real estate since she came in 1881, quickly sank a well on Court Street near Temple, which in a short time produced so lavishly that Mrs. Summers became one of the largest individual operators in crude oil. 
She is now known as the Oil Queen. At the suggestion of Mrs. M. Burton Williamson, an interesting open-air meeting of the Los Angeles Historical Society was held on the evening of March 28th at the residence of Don Antonio and Doña Mariana Coronel near the corner of Central Avenue and 7th Street. 300 guests assembled to enjoy the proverbial Spanish hospitality of this distinguished couple and to hear reports of the activities of various Los Angeles societies. Don Antonio possessed, as is well known, valuable historical and ethnological collections, and some of his choicest curios were that evening placed at the service of his guests. Professor Ira Moore participated, presiding at a table once used by the first constitutional governor, Echianita, and I still recall the manner in which Antonio chuckled when he told us how he had swapped four gentle cows for the piece of furniture while instead of a gavel senora coronel had provided a bell long used to summon the indians to mission service as early as the height of the great boom professor t s c low to whom i have referred in the story of an experiment in making gas advocated the construction of a railroad up the mountain later officially designated mount low and almost immediately financiers acted on the proposal and ordered the route surveyed the collapse of the boom, however, then made the financing of the project impossible, and the actual work of building the road was only begun in 1892. On the 4th of July of the following year, the first car carrying a small party of invited guests successfully ascended the incline, and on August 23rd the railway was formally opened to the public, the occasion being made a holiday. In 1894, the Mount Low Astronomical Observatory was built. At one time, the railway was owned by Valentine Payton, my agreeable neighbor and friend, then and now residing on Westlake Avenue. In June 1893, the Los Angeles Post Office was moved from its location at Broadway near 6th Street to the National Government Building at the southeast corner of Main and Winston Streets, which had just been completed at a cost of $150,000 seized with the same desire that animated many thousands who journeyed to chicago i visited the world's fair in the fall of eighteen ninety three everywhere i was impressed with the extraordinary progress made especially by americans since the display in philadelphia and i was naturally proud of the exhibits from california in charge of my fellow townsman ben truman russell judson waters a well-known banker and member of congress from the sixth district between eighteen ninety nine and nineteen o three came from Redlands in 1894, and another Southern Californian who has turned his attention to literary endeavor, his novel, El Estranjero, dealing with past local life. Joseph Scott, who has risen to distinction in the California legal world, alighted in Los Angeles in June, having tried without success to obtain newspaper work in Boston in 1887, although equipped with a letter of introduction from John Boyle O'Reilly. In New York, with only two dollars in his pocket, he was compelled to shoulder a hod, but relief came, as Scott himself jovially tells the tale. He was carrying mortar and brick on a Tuesday in February 1890, and but two days later he faced the body of students at St. Bonaventura's College in Allegheny, New York, as instructor in rhetoric. Within ten months after Scott came to Southern California, he was admitted to practice at the Los Angeles Bar, and since then he has been President of the Chamber of Commerce. He is now a member of the Board of Education, and all in all, his services to the Commonwealth have been many and important. The existence of the Merchants' Association, which was organized in 1893 with W.C. Furry as president and William Bean, succeeded the following year by Jacob E. Waldeck, son-in-law of Samuel Hellman, as secretary, was somewhat precarious until 1894. 
In that year, Los Angeles was suffering a period of depression, and a meeting was called to devise ways and means for alleviating the economic ills of the city, and also for attracting to Los Angeles some of the visitors to the midwinter fair then being held in San Francisco. At that meeting, Max Mayberg, a member of the association's executive committee, suggested a carnival, and the plan being enthusiastically endorsed, the coming occasion was dubbed La Fiesta de Los Angeles. Mayberg was appointed director general, and the following persons, among others, were associated with him in the undertaking. Mayor T. E. Rowan, F. W. Wood, R. W. Pridham, H. Jevney, J. O. Kepfley, Leon Loeb, H. T. Hazard, Charles S. Walton, and M. H. Newmark. The fiesta lasted from the 10th to the 13th of April, and proved a delightful affair. The participants marched in costume to the City Hall during a meeting of the Council, usurped the government, elected a queen, Mrs. O. W. Childs, Jr., to preside over the destinies of the city during the fiesta, and communicated to everybody a spirit of uncontrollable enthusiasm based on a feeling of the most genuine patriotic sentiment. The result was thoroughly successful, the carnival bringing out the real Californian fellowship, whole-souled and ringing true. Indeed, it is conceded by all who have seen Los Angeles grow that this first fiesta and the resulting strengthening of the association have been among the earliest and, in some respects, the most important elements contributory to the wonderful growth and development of our city. A few evenings after the conclusion of the celebration, and while the streets were brilliantly illuminated with Bengal fire, the leaders again marched in a body, this time to the hall over Mott Market, where they not only laid plans for the second fiesta, but installed J. O. Kepfley as president of the Merchants' Association. So enthusiastic had the citizens of Los Angeles really become that in the years 1895 and 1896 the fiesta was repeated and many prominent people supported the original committee, assisting to make the second festival almost equal to the first. Among these patrons were John Alton, Hancock Banning, W. A. Barker, A. C. Billick, L. W. Blinn, W. C. Blewett, R. W. Burnham, John M. Crawley, James Cousner, J. H. Dockweiler, T. A. Eisen, J. A. Fauchet, John F. Francis, A. W. Francisco, H. W. Frank, Dan Freeman, Mrs. Jesse Benton Fremont, W. M. Garland, T. E. Gibbon, J. T. Griffith, Harley Hamilton, R. H. Howell, Sumner P. Hunt, A. Jacoby, General E. P. Johnson, John Kahn, F. W. King, Abbott Kinney, E. F. C. Clock, J. Kurtz, Dr. Carl Kurtz, J. B. Lankershim, General C. F. A. Last, S. B. Lewis, H. Lichtenberger, Charles F. Loomis, Samuel Mayer, D. C. McGarvin, John R. Matthews, James J. Mellis, L. E. Mosher, Walter S. Newhall, J. W. A. Off, Colonel H. Z. Osborne, Colonel H. G. Otis, Madison T. Owens, W. C. Patterson, Niles Peace, A. Petch, John E. Plater, R. W. Pridham, Judge E. M. Ross, F. K. Rule, Frank Sabici, J. T. Sheward, Colonel W. G. Schreiber, John Schumacher, Professor P. W. Search, Edward D. Silent, Alfredo Solano, George H. Stewart, Frank J. Thomas, D. K. Trask, Ben C. Truman, I. N. Van Wise, K. H. Wade, Stephen M. White, Frank Wiggins, C. D. Willard, Dr. W. Lemoyne Wills, W. B. Wilshire, H. J. Wollacott, and W. D. Woolwine. 
this second fiesta brought into the local field two men then unknown but each destined to play an important part in the affairs of los angeles j o kepfley president of the merchants association and m h newmark chairman of the finance committee selected by felix j z handelar a reporter for the los angeles herald during the short ownership of john bradbury as financial and publicity agent with the result that more than thirty thousand dollars was collected and valuable advertising was secured at that time the finance committee also discovered the undeveloped talent of lyndon ellsworth Bamer, since so well known as the impresario who in managing with wonderful success the sale of tickets for the various events laid the foundation for his subsequent career commencing with adelina patty there have been few celebrities in the musical world that Bamer's enterprise has not succeeded in bringing to los angeles his greatest accomplishment in recent seasons being the booking of the chicago grand opera company in february nineteen thirteen under a guarantee of eighty eight thousand dollars second in chronological order among the larger societies of women and doubtless equal to any in the importance of its varied activities the ebell club was organized in eighteen ninety four due time providing itself with a serviceable and ornate home within which for years broad courses of departmental study have been prosecuted with vigor after worshiping for more than fifteen years in the old synagogue on fort street and five years more after that name was changed to broadway during which period from eighteen eighty one until i started in eighteen eighty seven on my second european trip it was my privilege to serve as president of the congregation the reformed jews of los angeles built in eighteen ninety four the temple benai brith on the corner of hope and ninth streets in the meantime following the resignation of dr a w edelman in eighteen eighty six dr emmanuel scriber for two years occupied the pulpit and then rev a bloom came from galveston to succeed him from the early part of eighteen ninety five rabbi m g solomon held the office until eighteen ninety nine it was during his administration it may be interesting to observe and while herman w hellman was president that the present temple was consecrated in eighteen ninety four homer laughlin of ohio during a visit purchased from mrs mary a briggs the property on broadway between third and fourth streets where she had lived three years later he moved to los angeles and began the erection of the homer laughlin fireproof building adding to the same in nineteen o five a reinforced concrete annex at midnight on april seventeenth don antonio franco coronel died at his home in los angeles aged seventy-seven years in less than four months his lifelong friend don pio pico died here on september eleventh aged ninety-three years the belgian hair aberration was a spasmodic craze of the nineties and when i remember what the little rabbit did to our judgment then it brings to mind the black tulip bubble of holland though in point of genuine foolishness i should award the prize to the former a widely copied newspaper article claiming for the flesh of the timid belgian rodent extraordinary qualities and merit led first hundreds then thousands to rig up hair coops for the breeding of the animal expecting to supply the world with its much lauded meat before long people abandoned profitable work in order to venture into the new field and many were those who invested thousands of dollars in belgian hair companies during the wild excitement attention was also given to the raising of hairs for exhibition and fancy prices were paid for the choicest specimens at last the bubble burst the supply far exceeded the now diminishing demand and the whole enterprise collapsed a lively election in eighteen ninety five was that which decided the immediate future of a suburb of los angeles where on april twenty seventh of the same year don juan warner who had lived there with his daughter mrs rubio went to his rest 
this was the university place in eighteen eighty a mere hamlet though three years later it had a post office of its own in eighteen ninety five an effort was made to annex it to the community with vernon rosedale and pico heights but the measure was defeated and only on june twelfth eighteen ninety nine was the college district annexed to los angeles for some years the boundary line of the town at that point followed such a course through house lots that residents there still at home often ate in the county and slept within the city the early nineties were full of the spirit of accomplishment and notwithstanding the failure of the electric homestead tract association and its streetcar line already described a successful electric railway system for los angeles was at length installed in eighteen ninety two a route was laid out to westlake park the company having been encouraged by a subsidy of fifty thousand dollars pledged by owners of property most likely to be affected by the service and by eighteen ninety five the electric traction system was so general that even the bobtailed cars on main street gave way to the new order of things at this early stage in the application of electricity to street cars some of the equipment was rather primitive wooden poles for example were a part of the trolley and as they were easily broken conductors were fined a dollar for any accident to the rod with which they might have to do electricity when it was forthcoming at all was only harnessed to impel the vehicle but there were no devices for using the current to warm the car and instead of an electric light an oil lamp hung onto the dashboard faintly illuminated the soft roadbed of the irregular tracks the most active promoters of the improvements of eighteen ninety five were the two brothers william spencer and thomas j hook who operated mainly in the southwestern part of the city developing that rather sparsely settled district and introducing what was the best and most handsome rolling stock seen here up to that time b f coulter who from eighteen eighty one to eighteen eighty four had preached here as a clergyman of the christian church in eighteen ninety five built a place of worship at his own expense on broadway near temple street costing twenty thousand dollars no inconsiderable sum for that time sometime in march appeared the first issue of the los angeles record a one-cent evening paper started by e w scripps as the poor man's advocate it was really another one of the many enterprising scripps newspapers scattered throughout the country and championing more or less socialistic principles in accordance with which scripps from the outset distributed some of the stock among his working associates at the present time w h porterfield is the editor-in-chief and w t murdoch the editor thomas j scully a pioneer school teacher who came to los angeles the same year that i did died here in eighteen ninety five for some time scully was the only teacher in the county outside of the city but owing to the condition of the public treasury he actually divided his time between three or four schools giving lessons in each a part of the year after a while the schoolmaster gazed longingly upon a lovely vineyard and its no less lovely owner and at last by marrying the proprietress he appropriated both this sudden capture of wife and independence however was too much for our unsophisticated pedagogue scully entered upon a campaign of intemperance and dissipation his spouse soon expelled him from his comfortable surroundings and he was again forced to earn his own living with birch and book inoffensive in the extreme yet with an aberration of mind more and more evident during twenty years frederick merrill shaw a well-informed vermonter born in eighteen twenty seven shipped for california as cook on the brig sea eagle and arrived in san francisco in september eighteen forty nine where he helped to build as he always claimed the first three-story structure put up there well proportioned and standing over six feet in height shaw presented a dignified appearance that is if one closed an eye to his dress long ago he established his own pension bureau conferring upon me the honor of a weekly contributor and when he calls he keeps me well posted on what he's been doing 
his weary brain is ever filled with the phantoms of great inventions and billion-dollar corporations as his pocketful of maps and diagrams shows one day launching an aerial navigation company to explore the moon and the next day covering california with railroad lines as thick as our automobiles in the streets of los angeles on september twenty first my brother j p newmark to whom i am so indebted and who was the cause of my coming to california died at his home in the sixty-ninth year of his age his demise being rather sudden during the extended period of his illness he was tenderly nursed by his wife augusta and i cannot pay my sister-in-law too high a tribute for her devoted companionship and aid and her real self-sacrifice mrs newmark long survived her husband dying on january third nineteen o eight at the age of seventy-four the reader will permit me i am certain the privilege of a fraternal eulogy in his acceptance and fulfillment of the responsibilities of this life in the depth and sincerity of his feeling toward family and friend my brother was the peer of any in his patient silent endurance of long years of intense physical suffering and in his cheerfulness which a manly courage and philosophical spirit inspired him to diffuse he was the superior of most and it was the possession of these qualities which has preserved his personality to those who knew him well far beyond the span of natural existence in may eighteen ninety six the merchants association consolidated with the manufacturers association of which r w pridham was then president and after the change of name to the merchants and manufacturers association inaugurated the first local exhibit of home products using the main street store of mayberg brothers for the display on august first eighteen ninety seven felix j z handelar later also consul of the netherlands became the stalwart enthusiastic and now indispensable secretary succeeding i believe william h knight this same year major ben c truman formerly editor of the star together with george d rice and sons established the graphic which is still being published under the popular editorship of samuel t clover in nineteen hundred truman was one of the california commissioners to the paris exposition after his foreign sojourn he returned to los angeles and with harry patton started a weekly society paper called the capital rather recently by the advantageous sale of certain property early acquired ben and his good wife have come to enjoy a comfortable and well-merited degree of prosperity clover came to los angeles in nineteen o one was editor and publisher of the express for four years and in nineteen o five started the evening news continuing the same three years despite the panic of nineteen o seven a year previously he purchased the graphic more than one feature of which and especially his browsings in an old bookshop have found such favor w a spaulding whose editorial work on los angeles newspapers dating from his association with the herald in eighteen seventy four and including service with both the express and the times in eighteen ninety six assumed the business management of his first love the herald after again toiling with the quill for four years he was succeeded by lieutenant randolph h minor the magnificent interurban electric system of los angeles is indebted not a little to the brothers-in-law general m h sherman and e p clark the former a Yankee from Vermont, and the latter a Middle Westerner from Iowa, both of whom had settled in Arizona in the early 70s. While in the territory, Sherman taught school and, under appointment by Governor Fremont as superintendent of instruction, laid the foundation of the public school system there. Both came to Los Angeles in 1889, soon after which Sherman organized the Consolidated Electric Railway Company. In 1896, the old steam railroad, which about the late 80s had run for a year or so between Los Angeles and the North Beach, by way of Colgrove and South Hollywood, was equipped with electrical motor power and again operated through the enterprise of Eli P. Clark, president of the Los Angeles Pacific Railroad Company. Together, Sherman and Clark built an electrical road to Pasadena, thus connecting the mountains with the sea. 
In 1896 I dissolved partnership with Caspar Cohn, taking over the Hyde business, and having fitted up a modest office under the St. Elmo Hotel, revived with a degree of satisfaction the name of H. Newmark & Company. A notable career in Los Angeles is that of Arthur Letts, who in 1896 arrived here with barely $500 in his pocket, and, as it would appear, in answer to a benign providence. J. A. Williams and Company, after a brief experience, have found the corner of Broadway and Fourth Street too far south, and their means too limited to weather the storm, so that their badly situated little department store was soon in the hands of creditors. This was Lett's opportunity. Obtaining some financial assistance, he purchased the bankrupt stock. His instantaneous success was reflected in the improvement of the neighborhood, and thereafter both locality and business made rapid progress together. Meredith P. Snyder, who became a resident in 1880 and started business by clerking in a furniture store in 1896, was elected to the office of mayor on a municipal waterworks platform. During the presidential campaign of 1896, when the West went wild over 16 to 1, and it looked as if W.J. Bryan would sweep aside all opposition here, an organization known as the Sound Money League undertook it to turn the tide. George H. Stewart was elected president, and other members of the executive committee being John F. Francis, Frank A. Gibson, R. W. Burnham, and M. H. Newmark. So strenuous was the campaign, and so effective was the support by the public, that when the sun set on that memorable Tuesday in November, Los Angeles was found to be still strong for sound principles. Perhaps the most remarkable outpouring in the political history of the city took place during this period when businessmen, regardless of previous party affiliations, turned out to hear Tom Reed, the czar of the House of Representatives. It was in the Christmas season of 1896 that Colonel Griffith J. Griffith so generously filled the stocking of Los Angeles with his immensely important gift of Griffith Park, said to be, with its 3,000 and more diversified acres, magnificent heights, and picturesque roadways, some of which, with their dense willow growth, reminded me of the shaded lanes described in earlier chapters, the second largest pleasure ground in the world. On July 1, 1897, the Atlantic and Pacific Railroad was absorbed by the Santa Fe, Charles W. Smith, the receiver, having brought order out of chaos after the former road in 1895 had met with disaster. Dr. Henry S. Orme, H. W. O. Mulvaney, J. M. Griffith, J. W. Gillette, A. L. Bath, J. M. Gwynn, M. Teed, J. M. Elliott, and W. A. Spaulding, on August 2nd, met in the office of the Daily Herald, in the Bradbury Block on 3rd Street, to consider the organization of an old settlers' society. At that meeting, a committee consisting of Dr. J. S. Griffin, Henry W. O. Mulvaney, Benjamin S. Eaton, H. G. Barrows, J. M. Gwynn, Dr. H. S. Orme, J. W. Gillette, and myself was appointed to direct the movement. On August 10th, we selected the Los Angeles County Pioneers of Southern California as the name of the society and decided that eligibility should be limited to those who had resided in the county 25 years. A public meeting was held at the Chamber of Commerce on September 4, 1897, and the 25 persons present signed the roll. The first president chosen was Benjamin S. Eaton and the first secretary, J. M. Gwynn. Dr. William F. Edgar, who had resided here continuously for over 30 years, died on August 23rd at the age of 73, a sword given to him by General Phil Kearney resting among the floral tributes. The 10th of the following November witnessed the death of George Hansen, the surveyor, whose body, in accordance with his expressed wish, was cremated. On the same day, J. J. Ayers died. This year, when the town was full of unemployed, hundreds of men were set at work to improve Elysian Park, a move suggested by Judge Charles Silent. 
Frank Walker, who had been here for a while in the middle of the 80s and had gone away again, returned to Los Angeles about 1897 and set himself up as a master builder. While contracting for certain unique bungalows, his attention was directed to the possibility of utilizing the power of the sun, with the result that he soon patented a solar heater, similar to those now extensively built into Southern California residences, and organized a company for exploiting the invention. End of chapter 40